Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to episode number 325 of the Parastyle Podcast. Today is June 16th, 2014. We've got a good show for you this week. Talking about some USC summer workouts, new uh, uh, documentary video that's getting put together that Dan Weber's going to talk about later on the show. So we'll talk to Dan Weber, the USCfootball.com beat writer, and Coach Harvey Hyde. We'll be answering your questions in the first segment. We welcome him to the show. What's up, Coach? How you doing? Everything is just great, buddy. I'll tell you what a great uh, Father's Day I had, and I hope all you fathers out there had a great Father's Day. And now it's time to get back and hit it, buddy. Yeah, happy Father's Day to you, Coach, and everyone else out there. Hope you guys enjoyed the weekend. Um, wanted to say, if you have any questions, you can go podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email, or our vo- voicemail number is 206-888-6755. You can also, we also like to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. No more basketball, no more hockey. Congratulations to the LA Kings who won the Stanley Cup, of course. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff going on sports-wise. Of course, baseball. We got football. I think it's about 75 days away, so you can get tickets for all that on sctickets.com. Check it out there. And uh, coach, yeah, are you kind of bummed that there's no more hockey, no more basketball, or you just it's exciting that it's closer to football now? You know. Uh... I'm not really bummed. Uh, I'm just knowing we're getting closer to football and all the football publications are coming out and I'm enjoying reading those. Uh, the hockey uh, playoffs I really got into. I, I don't think that you could see a playoff uh, with a 4-1 win in the series be any closer. I mean, really, there wasn't any domination, but it sounds like domination. It was just a great, great series. More people watched hockey, I think, than ever before because of First of all, L.A., uh, the people that live in L.A., plus the closeness and the competitiveness of these these players. I think it was absolutely fantastic. I watched the celebration afterwards in uh, the city of Los Angeles. I want to c- commend them on how they took a, a triumph uh, and everything went peacefully. And, and it, it was just great, just great. And then last night, the, the Spurs and their domination, I hate to say that, but it was, over uh, all you Miami Heat fans, <laughs> domination by the Spurs and what teamwork can do. And I think that's what uh, you hear us talk about a lot. Uh, no real stars. There are stars, but they're all stars in what they do and how well they do it. And, uh, it was just uh, marvelous watching that type of team play. It was. I, I, you know, I'm not into regular hockey usually during the season, but playoff hockey is a lot of fun. And, of course, you know, local team winning Kings, that was really nice. And uh, so it was cool. Uh, check that out. Um, if you want to follow Coach Harvey Hyde on Twitter, it's at Coach Harvey Hyde. So at Coach Harvey Hyde, very simple. You can tweet him. He loves to, to use the Twitter stuff. And you can follow me at Inside Troy. We got some kind of random questions today, Coach. We're just they're kind of all over the place. So I thought we'd uh, start with one that we got from Twitter from Pac-12 Kool Aid. Uh, he wants to know what you think is going to happen with uh, DJ Morgan this year. He's He's a guy that hasn't been mentioned a lot, Coach, but with Ty Isaac leaving, we've actually seen D.J. Morgan out here at some of these summer workouts participating, and he looks like, you know, look, the knee looks okay. 
What are your thoughts about what could happen with DJ Morgan this year? Well, DJ came out of high school as a tremendous athlete, fast hurdler, uh, sprinter, uh, just a great player, but he's been just uh, hampered by injuries entirely in his whole career. He's never had a chance really to get on the field and get into a rhythm and really prove himself. So a lot of people really doubt or forgot his great athletic ability. Uh, I think that it'll be difficult. I think he might have a role. I think he's going to have to get used to being a backup when you have guys like Buck Allen, Dre Matt, and Justin Davis. I mean, really a, a great trio of brat backs there. But DJ's an outstanding player, too. So it's great to have a, a, a group of backs like that. I'm sorry to see he really didn't have a career like he could have had. But that happens to some athletes. Sometimes athletes are just injury-prone. And they just continually getting little nicks and things happening or the same injury reoccurring where it really just uh, ruins their career. Uh, but uh, for the good side of it, uh, you know, when you look at a running back, a running back only has so many plays that he can play. If he gets completely healthy, he may get a great shot at a career in the NFL and doesn't have many miles on his legs. So you've got to look at it both ways as far as towards the athlete's viewpoint. And one thing he's got to do is compete get back into it, learn to take hits, gain confidence in his injury so that he knows it's not going to happen again, as Justin's going to have to do, as George Farmer's going to have to do, as, as Stevie Mitchell's going to have to do. They're going to, get, they're going to have to get hit a good couple of times and say, hey, I'm back. It's not a big deal. So I, I think that's the best way to explain D.J. Morgan. Yeah, we'll see. We'll keep uh, check out the videos. We're putting them up on uscfootball.com. Put some pictures up of him as well. So he could be a... Certainly be a factor. We'll be watching him throughout the summer and uh, through fall camp. Uh, Here's an interesting one, Coach, from Marcel in Diamond Bar. He wants to know what's going to happen first. Number one, USC wins a national championship. I assume he's talking about football. Uh, Number two, Verizon Fios gets the Pac-12 network. Uh, Number three, the Todd McNair trial is over. What do you think is going to happen first, Coach? Boy, he took some thought in that question. Guy's got to be bored, man. No, no, I'm just kidding you. I'm. I, I thank you for sending in questions like, "What is going to happen first? Uh, uh, Pac-12 Network will get on uh, Directv. Uh, two, uh, Todd McNair. Three, national championship by USC's football team. Wow. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ron. No, no, that's interesting. That's an interesting uh, to make. The, well, we're hearing if you're following Twitter at all now, and it's going on. The Ed O'Bannon case is going on right now. So, it, uh, I mean, that's. I, I'm curious to see when the Todd McNair thing happens. Uh, but he wanted to know about Verizon FiOS. I see. I, I think FiOS and Directv will probably get the Pac-12 network about the same time. They're gonna have to make some kind of deal to to get all those things. But I think I agree with you there. But there's, you know, USC's got a chance, of course. First-year head coach. I think we'll know a lot more after this year if you think that USC is on the right path. But I think at this point, first-year head coach, I think they have a potential to to do a lot of good things this year. But, yeah, you might have to put them third. I agree with you, Coach. Well, you know, winning a national championship, not only do you have to be good, you got to be lucky. And right now USC is playing in what I think is the, if not the toughest conference in America, the second toughest conference in America at least with the rise now of UCLA football, Oregon football, Washington football. Can you believe Washington just because Chris Peterson's there, all of a sudden people are talking about them being a threat in the Northern Division? I mean, how quickly? I mean, I can't 
understand uh, all the optimism there. I mean, uh, I hope it is as far as for the University of Washington fans, but you've got Mike Leach at Washington State, you've got Graham at, at Arizona State, just, and everyone knows who, who's at these other schools. So it's a very difficult thing to win your conference before you have an opportunity uh, to play for a national championship and go through a semifinal game and then play for a national championship. So it's going to take some time, but I think they're on the right track. I think they're recruiting the right players, and they got to continue uh, the way they finished last year with five-star players, and uh, they can get it back. But uh, to say it's going to happen overnight, I don't believe that happens. All right. Well, that was a good question for Marcel. Thanks for the creative one here, especially during the uh, offseason. Good stuff there, Marcel. Um, Melvin had a question. Uh, we might have to do some research on this, so I don't want to put you on the spot, Coach, but if you can think of anybody off the top of your head. Uh, since this is Father's Day weekend, could you think of a great father-son USC football player connection? Um, I mean, you got the, the Matthews, the, the Clay Matthews thing, right. which is kind of no like... No question about that. Yeah, that's a that's a that's the biggest one, I guess you would, that I can come off the top of my head. I, I know uh, Tim McDonald and TJ McDonald, uh, it's a fairly recent one. Um, they both got to play. Hmm. I can't. You see, there's some others, but they went to other schools. Their kids, uh, Munoz, uh, his son went to Tennessee, and some of these other kids. But uh, yeah, like no, Ronnie, Ronnie Lott's son ended up going to UCLA. Um, you know, we had Abe Markowitz on the team recently. His dad went to UCLA, and, and Abe went to USC. So I think you have a few things like uh, like that happening. Um, Steve Lopes is the you know one of the uh, athletic director. You know, guy high up in the administration. His his son's currently on the team uh, as a walk-on. He's actually made a whole bunch of plays as, playing safety. Uh, I think it's Matt Lopes, I believe is his name is. He's picked off some passes and stuff during these summer workouts. Um, so there's a father-son kind of combination that's like currently uh, in the administration right now. But he but he played at uh, Linfield, Steve Lopes. Steve Lopes, Lopes okay, yeah. But he, he's currently, you know, working in the football administration, all that kind of right, stuff. Right, right, So just right. like a little Father's Day connection, but... Um, yeah, uh, we'll have to do some recent... Oh, yeah, you know, J.K. Huh? J.K. McKay or and his John dad. McKay, you know. yeah. Well, it'd have to take some time to think about it, but... Uh... But tweet us. If you guys have, there's other ones I'm sure we're missing. Like, I didn't do any research coming into this. I just thought we could kind of talk about it in the top of our heads. But tweet us at Coach Harvey Hyde, at Inside Troy, if there's other ones that, uh, that we... Obvious ones that we left out. I'm sorry if we're idiots. <laughs> and we left off the most obvious one uh, before. But, yeah, that's... Uh, that's a good question for coming out of Father's Day. So, Coach, if you get any tweets, you know, make sure you let me know any of these. I new, will. Other guys. I will. All I right. will. I have to think about it myself. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's kind of different, but um, that was a good one, Melvin. Thanks for sending that in. Here's one from uh, Brandon about the the Coliseum, and he says, "I wanted to see if you if you guys have know of any updates regarding the end zones in the Coliseum being changed from." Uh, the green and gold back to cardinal and gold again. I don't like how the end zones were changed to green and cardinal. I'm sorry, green and cardinal for this last season. I know Steve Sarkeesian has a million things on his plate, but the current end zone design drives me nuts. However, I do think the fight on logo should be kept. And he actually sent uh, a couple of pictures. We obviously can't share with you on the podcast, but how the old end zones were, where it was like a brighter, you know, cardinal and gold in the end zone coach to now just uh, green, you know, green grass with uh, some cardinal in there. So maybe get your thoughts on that and how much control you had over stuff like that when you were a head coach. 
Well, you know, surprisingly, I did. Uh, if I had an athletic director that understood and wanted to do whatever was necessary to win, and uh, if the request was reasonable, we did it. And uh, in one end zone, we had UNLV. I'm talking about when I was at UNLV. In the other end zone, we had Rebels. So we had both end zones representing uh, who we were. So, and on our jersey, we did the same thing. We had Rebels on the helmet, and we had UNLV on the jerseys so that we represented who we were. Uh, I think it's important to have a a field decorated to certainly uh, demonstrate who you are and the tradition of that. Uh, and uh, if you have an athletic director that will go along with that and thinks it's important, then you have a chance of doing it. But if you don't have the administration behind your thoughts, uh, then basically it's tough to do, uh, just like the changing of a uniform. You know, I'm not in favor of any changes in uniforms, as you know, with traditional universities. And uh, I've heard, I don't know if it's happening, that USC is thinking about maybe having a uh, a different type of face mask, uh, not necessarily the gray face mask they do use now, but it may be a gold type of face mask or glittering face mask. You know, I mean, uh, that's all show. But for me, uh, what's the real show is who you beat and how many points you score and who you knock down. <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden you'll be changing your face mask every week if you hit anybody. So, uh, you know, these little things help and tweak, and sometimes players like it, but uh, at traditional programs like USC and that, you don't really need to change anything. You just need to play football. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach, and uh, we'll see what, you know, I, I like it for the fan experience. Uh, they were actually put out some renderings of what the, uh, you know, these luxury boxes and the, uh, you know, on the peristyle end would would kind of look like. So there's definitely some changes coming on there. I don't know. I haven't got an update on what they're going to do with the end zones. I agree that they, you know, they look better when it's kind of all painted. I don't know if it's an expense thing, like if it's hard to keep, you know, painting the exact, the, the whole things there. I know back in the day when the Raiders and in USC, if you remember those days, that would be painted over Raiders and they would be painted over USC. You could still see remnants of the other teams paint in the end zone when one team would play, you know, soon after the other. Uh, but I, I don't know if it, it it could be an expense thing. Maybe we can ask one of the administrators and see kind of of why that is. If there's a reason why they wouldn't do more of that uh, in the end zones, but it's to to me, coach, it's probably some uh, an issue of money. Well, it shouldn't be because they spend money on everything else. So yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe each one of them can take a little bit of a pay cut. We'd be able to paint <laughs> if, if that's what it is. Uh, but that money isn't an issue at USC any longer. I mean, or, or any team in the Pac-12 with the facilities and this and that. Uh, uh, it sounds like a good reason, but, uh, Ryan, let's be realistic. It isn't. Yeah. Uh, well, just before we... I like... know you still want to get into practices, so you won't say that. Right, yes. I, would I, I will say money is not a problem. <laughs> um, before we, you know, before we let you go, Coach, and, you know, we had some really interesting questions. Thanks for everyone sending those in. Uh, I know you check out the site and you get to check out some of the the summer workout videos. I've been, you know, trying to tweet out uh, photos and um, and things like that. It's kind of just you know showing everybody what's going on in the these summer workouts. I've really been impressed though with the amount of people that have been showing up and they're doing position drills. It's almost run like a regular practice, even though there's no kind of coaches out there. I know you got you think these guys can kind of get burnt out, but 
what have you been seeing if you've checking out the videos at all and, and some of the photos what, what have you seen anything that stood out to you well i say this and you've heard me say that i think sometimes you get burned out but if you're going to be out there you better get something accomplished or don't go out there uh, try to get better don't just go out there just to fool around and i think they're trying to get better I mean, they're running their hurry-up offense. They're utilizing the sideline with the play calling, with the cards. They are organized like a real practice, which it should be. You just get better when you do it over and over and over. They What they call it muscle memory. I think that's very important. And I think you will get better, and especially teaching the incoming freshmen and the incoming athletes the system, the play calling, the numberings, uh, understanding what you're trying to attempt. I hear Josh Shaw always coaching there, Dory Jackson in your videos, and other people coaching other young receivers and people. Uh, That's what you call teamwork. And if you're going to go out there, then go out and accomplish something or don't go out there, but you're jeopardizing a chance for someone to get hurt, fooling around, and you're not getting anything done. It's a play session. It's never a play session. It's going to work. And uh, this is your summer job if you're there. So make sure you get it done and accomplish something to get better. And I think that it's much more organized. I think they're accomplishing things. And uh, if you're going to be out there, I think they're uh, doing what they should be doing. So um, I like it from what you showed me as far as the summer workouts. I have not been out there. But uh, for people who want to watch that, they can see it. And I like the way that the speed of what they're doing in the interior line play with the offensive linemen as far as not trying to – you have a half-speed All-American, which means one guy's going full speed and the other guy's going half speed. I used to say, hey, just go full speed when you're supposed to go full speed. And, uh, and, and they're really uh, listening to that, stay up, never go to the ground. And, and, and it seems as though it's working. Yeah, certainly uh, it does. I, I've been really impressed. We'll see, you know, how that translates to fall camp. And uh, we did get a late Twitter question in from Reshan 18 coach. And he wanted to know about Adoree Jackson and Juju Smith, how they looked in summer workouts thus far and uh, when they strap on the pads. And we've only seen Adoree Jackson out there once. He played pretty much exclusively uh, at defensive back, playing cornerback. Uh, I think Juju Smith came out for one Workout. I was uh I was back east for uh, that rivals camp, so I wasn't here for that one. I do believe he showed up for one. We haven't seen those guys either way. It's been you know once or twice for those guys. So we haven't got to see a whole lot of them so far. So we'll see you know when the the next summer session starts if they're going to be out there. It all depends on when guys graduate, when they can make it out to practice. Uh, so we'll we'll let you know. We'll keep you update when we see those guys. But they don't put pads on. You know, fall camp starts August third. So usually a few days into camp is when, you know, so sometime around August 6th, I would expect you see uh, the, the players actually wearing pads. But for right now, it's just, you know, shorts and T-shirts doing the summer stuff. But fall camp will actually start. They'll put helmets and everything on. That's on August 3rd. Well, if they have the opportunity of going out there and they're not going to uh, summer school or they're still being uh, admitted and so on and maybe they can't go out there, then I suggest you go out there. One reason a young player doesn't like to go out there is because, first of all, they're seeing a different speed of what they've seen their entire life. And they don't like to see themselves get beat. They don't like to see themselves. They know everyone's evaluating them. And uh, it's it's very hard for them. And when I saw Doriel Jackson out there, uh, he was learning. He was being taught. Uh, he does have a burst of speed. He has all the tools to get it done, but it's a whole new learning situation. Before, he was such a better player than everybody else, but now he's playing with uh, as good of players in some situations, plus uh, uh, players who have been coached up in what they're doing. 
So uh, it's hard for Juju Smith, and it's hard for Nadori Jackson. It's hard for all these other young players to come out there and adjust to not being the star. So you've got to put your arm around them and nurse them through it, just like a mother would nurse a baby through it, and let them know they went through the same thing when they came to USC or any university. And I think that's the same practice you have to do on any level you're coaching or teaching at. So uh, yeah, if they uh, need to get out there, they should get out there unless they're working or they got some excuse why they shouldn't be there because uh, the more they can learn, the better chance they have of playing. Yeah, and I think it's a great opportunity, Coach. We've seen most of these young players out there. Uh, you know, Locally, it's easier uh, if you're coming out for college. So I, this, they're in the first summer session right now. I think the second summer one, you see more of these players coming in and roll. So I think in July we'll see a little bit more of that. But uh, thanks for all the questions on uh, Twitter and email and all of that. And, uh, Coach, thanks for uh, coming on the show again. I know you, you're having fun out there in uh, Catalina Island, but you took some time out to, to share your thoughts with us. We appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, buddy. I appreciate everyone out there, too. And uh, I do have a chance sometimes to meet people over here, but uh, I'm going to be leaving. Don't look for me. If you're coming to Catalina, I'm coming back to the big city today after this podcast. So, uh, again, uh, we want to thank all of you for participating with our podcast as we uh, have our countdown. That would be a big clock somewhere. Yeah, we got to do one. Huh? I know. I like that. I like that. A big clock somewhere. Put it on your – Website, would you? I've got, I think Big, we we do that sometimes. I'll have to I'll look into that, see if we can put one up there. So we'll put one up on USCfootball.com. Kick off against Fresno State. What time is that game? 4.30 or 5 or something? Yeah, I believe so. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, Put it down, right? Let's get know. into it so we can feel the heart rate, okay? I like it, Coach. You got everyone fired up with a countdown, I think 75 days or something along those lines. So excuse me if I'm off by a day or so. And, hey, if we have any listeners out there on the island of Catalina – Email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Right into us. We want to let you know. Well, we'll have uh, Coach Harvey Hyde come by and say hello to you or something like that. Well, I'd love to meet people. Nothing. I do. I'd love to meet people, okay? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, Catalina, like, uh, how many people live there, Coach? Is there, do you think we got some listeners 3, out there? 3,600. 3,600 okay. people live here. But uh, now, during the summer months, it's got to be about 10,000. Oh, uh, okay. Well, odds are, somewhat, one of our listeners lives out there. So, let, let you know. If yeah, you do, well, thanks for coming. <laughs> drop us an email. I'll send you a T-shirt or something too if you live out there in Catalina. Yeah, right. and I was I was up watching some of the kids work out here. They have a very good football team here, and they're looking forward to another great season. And I like to support. I belong to the booster club here at the high school too. Oh, very cool. Uh, yep, I just like that. You know the people here. You know their kids. You watch them grow up, and uh, I just like supporting all levels of competition. That sounds great, Coach. Well, thanks again for coming on the show and everyone else. Hey, we're going to be back in a minute talking with uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concerts, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We've got Dan Weber, uscfootball.com, beat writer extraordinaire, and a really interesting piece that 
that Dan put up uh, on uh, uscfootball.com on Sunday. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, please do that. And we had a, a question. Well, anyway, welcome, Dan. But I, we had a question about that story we can get into. But welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you. Good to be here. And that was a fun piece to do. If uh, people haven't seen it, it's uh, about a coming documentary about USC and the NCAA. It's been a couple of years in the making by a, a USC guy, uh, an Academy Award uh, will, uh, winning film editor, Scott Conrad, who uh, a couple of years ago you know, told me he was going to do this, and he actually uh, has put in all the time to do it, and uh, then, you know, doing everything, coming up with every photo and and comment and illustration of the way, you know, the NCA rigged the game against USC and how it was obviously, you know, set up basically to take USC down, how they changed the rules, and he illustrates it graphically in ways in which when you see it all at one time in one place, you go, wow, that's even worse. I mean, I know the story. We, You know the story. A lot of USC people kind of know the whole story as it's been developing over the last four or five years. But when you see it all in one place, you just think, what would they think? Did they really think they were going to get away with it? And the answer is, yeah, they did. They thought they could pull this off. And uh, I was talking to someone yesterday very close to the case who called me and said, you know, everything turned around on the NCAA with the, with the story, uh, the missteps uh, in the McNair case. He said, the USC rivals, or USCfootball.com story, he said, turned everything around on the NCAA. That was the moment uh, that the NCAA, that this all turned back on the NCAA. So we can feel a little bit, a bit good about that. But in tracing the last four years, there's also, we will kind of, uh, give you a sneak idea that there is a book coming as well. Not mine. I, I just couldn't make I just couldn't make myself focus on it this much because it makes me too mad, honestly. But there's also going to be a book. It looks like starting with the uh, USC case and the NCAA and how it all went uh, went south from there for the NCAA. But uh, but Scott Conrad's uh, documentary. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, he's looking for a narrator, and uh, some interesting head people already offered. Uh, uh, just in the you know, since the story went up yesterday, with some terrific screen credits and terrific uh, uh, Emmy Award-winning you know narrators of documentaries and that, <clears throat> who uh, who have come forward. So uh, it's kind of exciting. Yeah, it's a, it's a really neat piece. You should check it out on uscfootball.com. It's free free content, so anyone can get it. You don't have to be a subscriber or anything. And uh, we had a question from Ron about it. He says, real happy to see Mr. Uh, Scott Conrad coming forward with a documentary that will hopefully expose the NCAA football barons. We all know the sanctions were unfair and that other schools that follow just got a slap on the wrist, but the Trojans took the biggest blow of all. Actually, I foresee the NCAA losing a lot of their power in the near future. And when this documentary comes out, I think it will expose a lot of people who tried to destroy the USC program. That's from Ron. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I think you're exactly right. I, I think the NCAA has almost ceded uh, some of their power. I mean, the fact that they expanded the committee on infractions to 18 people to try to kind of, I think dilute the, uh, the fact that, you know, if you were on that committee in the USC case, you're trying to hide uh, those people, 
they almost don't want anybody to know, you know, they were part of that. So they increased the numbers to 18, and yet in the last eight months they haven't had a single hearing. Haven't, you know, I hear they're still doing investigative work and that, but uh, there are no more uh, major cases right now. No more, invest, you know, the kinds of, uh, you know, potential hearings or whatever, because, I mean, they really screwed it, screwed themselves in, in two ways. The overreach with the USC case and the obvious agenda to take USC down and, you know, that they found USC guilty and decided what the penalty was before they had enough evidence. And then they ended up having to make up the evidence uh, and tie it into Todd McNair and all that crazy stuff. And then they got caught with a lot of their favorites. You know, Ohio State, North Carolina, uh, Oregon, uh, Miami, schools at, uh, you know, Auburn, the SEC, uh, UCLA in basketball. That You know, they would have tried to take UCLA down, but they screwed that up so badly. But uh, uh, but they, I don't think they realized these other cases were going to come along. And by almost any uh, uh, standards, worse than USC's case. These were cases where people at the school were involved, where they were lying they lied on the on the form you know, on the forms they were supposed to fill out. They covered it up and they were doing it to help themselves get players to compete better. USC had none of those elements involved and for USC to get the penalties it did and then to have them basically, you know, give wrist slaps to the all these others that followed pretty much exposed you know, the NCA, the Committee on Infractions for what it was. And uh, so I think, you know, the comment's correct. I don't think anybody will trust them, including anybody in the NCAA. Uh, again, I, and the media has turned on them completely. It's amazing. Just three years ago in the summer, they were doing that mock Committee on Infractions hearing in, uh, in Indianapolis. And Josephine Petuto was riding high, and this is how we do it with the year after the USC case, and they were still getting fairly decent uh, publicity for that stuff, but not, not anymore. They, they, wouldn't, they would no more attempt to do a mock Committee on Infractions hearing now. Uh, you know, all they would do was get mocked. I mean, you know, they, would, uh, they wouldn't dare try any of that. They're basically in hiding. And... Uh, it's it's really interesting that, that how it's all turned back on the NCA as it should. I mean, they they should have never been allowed to get away with this, and uh, and apparently they're not. Uh, all right, well, great stuff. If you want to check it out on uscfootball.com, uh, it's still on the front page, and you could it's pinned on the message boards and stuff as well. So, uh, great piece from Dan, and we'll look forward to uh, seeing that down the road. So check it out. But I wanted to talk about some of these uh, summer workouts, Dan. And we had a few questions uh, about that, and uh, kind of a basic one from Andrew. He just he was curious about if any of the players have stepped up as the player coach types uh, with running these uh, summer workout sessions. Like which players have have come in there and kind of showed their leadership to help run these things. Well, it's almost a given that um, Cody Kessler and uh, Hayes Pillard are going to be two of the guys that uh, that really take over. Uh, I mean, it's it just it's their personalities. It's the the, you know, their position on the team. So that's a big part of it. Uh, another guy who stepped up, and it really, <laughs> he is a takeover guy, is Nelson Aguilar. I mean, he is, he's kind of a mother hen, you know, he, he and he's a, he's a tough taskmaster, kind of a, you know, a Marine drill, you know, drill sergeant. Uh, so uh, uh, he's another one. 
uh, on the offensive line, Max Turk and, and Zach Banner has been, you know, for Zach, for a guy that hasn't really gotten his chance to play, uh, Zach does a lot of, you know, instruction with the, with the freshmen. Max is a guy that kind of runs things uh, when he's there for the offensive line drills and that, that kind of thing. Uh, defensively, uh, Antoine Woods is a big has become a big leader and that that was basically we saw that all over you know through the winter and the spring spring practice he's just so determined to uh uh you know be an every down player and do whatever it takes but <clears throat> he's become a you know big uh, big leader on the on the defensive front Hayes is is the guy in the middle the linebacker well, Michael Hutchings also uh for a younger guy does a lot of uh, you know, coming out of De La Salle, and it's obvious that that program really, you know, took with him. So, for example, when they're doing sideline signaling and all that, you see uh, for the defense, Michael is the one doing a lot of that. Um, Secondary-wise, uh, um, you've got two uh, two seniors in, in Josh Shaw and uh, Gerald Bowman have been the guys that have, have stepped up there. And, uh, you know, if you see – uh, Adoree Jackson going through his first uh, summer uh, walkthrough, for example, you've got you know Josh and Gerald right there next to him, kind of positioning him and showing him and telling him this is how we do this or this is how we do that or this is where you go. So, uh, so that would be kind of the the group right now that that has stepped up. The uh, yeah, Michael Hutchins is one I wanted to bring up. I actually just tweeted out a picture of him. Um, you know, he's he to me. It looks like he's been like a coach out there, really helping some of the young guys, but just taking taking charge. And it's it's. I think it's good to see some of these guys that, you know, weren't like the the star of the team or, or a, a definite starter come out there and really help uh, run things. He's been one of those guys that's been doing that. There's been a lot of that. You know, I think it was interesting. I haven't counted up the numbers, but somebody on the P asked, uh, "What player would you like to see really step up this year?" and the numbers are amazing, and I will, I'm going to do a little notebook, and that'll be one of the things. But I, I don't know that there are very many teams that could have as many different guys cited by the fans as potential breakout players or the guy you'd, you'd like to see uh, make a breakout. I mean, the USC's got a lot of those guys that uh, that have that ability that maybe haven't haven't uh, you know when they they cut you know they went and, and they made a conscious decision last year. Uh, to go with the veterans and to cut down as much as possible on, on they didn't they felt like they didn't have much of a margin of error, and so, uh, you know that's they ended up you know playing 13 guys against Stanford and, and in the 40s for much of the year, uh, and uh, was just you know that was how they decided that they had to do things you know when you have to change over after the fifth game, and try to you know get get through the rest of the year and it was obviously the correct call. But now it gives guys like uh, Michael Hutchings a chance to say, okay, this is, this is my time. I'm going to get a chance to step up. And uh, I think the thing that, you know, should make USC fans feel pretty good is they are uh, a, lot, a lot of different places. Uh, Gerald Bowman hasn't gotten a chance for uh, a couple of injury reasons to do what we thought he could do. But he's not, you know, being bashful or stepping back. He's going to make this extra, you know, season – uh, that he's getting with his medical red shirt really worth it, and he's acting like a fifth-year senior the way you want to, you know, the way you want to see him uh, do that. Um, as far as summer workouts go, we have another question. Uh, this one's from 
Melvin, uh, and so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the summer workouts. He said, with the voluntary workouts, I hear you all uh, talk about the skill players and the defensive backs that participate in the workouts. What about the offensive linemen and defensive linemen and special teams players? Uh, what do they do during this period of time before the opening of fall camp? Do they participate in some kind of voluntary workout practice as well? That's from Melvin. Well, uh, special teams guys, no. Uh, that's not the place for special teams. And they you know, have their own uh, you know, workout during the day. And um, uh, so we don't see them working out. But we do see, and something we haven't seen that much of in past years, we see uh, you know, the nucleus of both the offense and defensive lines out there every day. And uh, where the emphasis used to be on seven-on-seven, on seven, there's a lot more 11-on-11. 11 11. And so you get both groups with a chance. I mean, uh, you're watching the other, if you watch some of the highlights, and that was good because, you know, Ryan, it put up uh, both 7-on-7 seven seven and 11-on-11 11 11 highlights. And you'll see, for example, they're running a, uh, you know, a quick, uh, quick hitter with, with Buck or uh, Trey, but you'll see uh, Viani Talamavio uh, pulling from left guard and leading, you know, leading the, the play through right tackle. And, uh, you know, stuff like that didn't used to happen. So for a guy, you know, a new freshman like Viani, that's a really uh, big jump, uh, you know, from the summer to uh, August is the, that ability to be incorporated into those kinds of plays that, that didn't used to happen. Yeah, no, it's 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 much better organized. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, Matt Barkley was a great organizer of these things, but it seems like now the whole team is kind of, Bought in, and you need a, a, a good time, Dan. You have to have a, a time when most people can do it. They seem like they do. They have a couple days a week where everyone's coming out, which is a good thing. But the, the participation level is, is very high. Uh, it seems like guys are having a good time. And I think they like, and we talked about this on Instant Analysis, I think they like the tempo a little bit more. It's it's adjustment for us. Like, you're taking notes. I'm usually filming or taking pictures. And you sometimes you're used to having this long break between plays. There's no more long break between plays. They're just going quickly. Sometimes the guy who you know ran the touchdown in or, or t- caught the long pass doesn't have time to get back to the line of scrimmage. He can't even get in the next play because they're running the next one so fast. Well, and I was thinking watching your um, you know your video highlights that you know you do cut from one play to the next, but they're almost real time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you know boom boom, and 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 so if you watch those you know little three minutes. Uh, you get a sense of, of how they're going. I mean, it's not like exaggerated in terms of, uh, you know, going from one play to the next play to the next play. I mean, it's going, it's going quickly, and yet they're still doing it with the sideline signaling and the hand signals and the signboards and all that. So, I mean, it's organized to that point that you've got five guys over there handling the boards and handling the, sign, you know, the signals, and you've got a quarterback who's not in there giving the signals and, uh, uh, it's pretty impressive uh, this year compared to uh, you know previous years. I mean, previous years you saw more seven on seven and one on ones. This year, I don't think they're supposed to do the one on ones. Although once we leave, they they may they may be doing a little bit of those. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we won't say they are, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but it's mostly and much more eleven on eleven, and that's. Uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, I know a lot of people have said, "Oh gosh, that's worried." We're worried that uh, you know you got to have a fast start with you know Fresno State in the opener and Stanford game two, and you got a new coaching staff and a new offense. Uh, I think you might be surprised. 
I mean, the thing that's thrown everybody off is everybody that went to the spring game, you know, went, oh, God almighty, they're like a, a million years away. Let me tell you for sure, the spring game w- was so much – well, it was what it was. It was – I won't say sandbagging, but if you watch them in the summer – if you watch them any other practice in the spring, what you saw in the spring game uh, didn't even come close to to what they're actually doing. But uh, but I can see why people would be worried after watching the spring game. Again, you know, Buck wasn't playing and Trey wasn't playing, and uh, you know they ran about four different plays, I guess, and that was <laughs> about it. And they didn't actually run them all too quickly. I mean, if you remember, the leading ball carrier in the spring was uh, spring game was Ty Isaac. And uh, he's no longer there. <laughs> who, who is, you know, he's a Wolverine right now. <laughs> so, uh, so the spring game, I know it's hard that I would probably wipe the spring game out of your head yeah. in terms of a reference point for this team. And I think to your point earlier about the different kind of leaders stepping up, you're also seeing a lot of the position drills where they break up into positions and the offensive linemen work together, the DBs, the, the receivers, and they're all kind of working. And having kind of leaders in each group, I think that helps a lot. But that's something we really hadn't seen much of before. I don't think we've ever seen that. I mean, every once in a while you'd have a group of defensive linemen maybe that would come out on their own and, and just on their own and pull out some, you know, the big bags and, uh, and do a little bit work, uh, of work. But it was pretty much on their own. And, uh, you know, the, the good thing now is you have the offensive line and the defensive line working against each other. And, and watch Zach Banner, for example, you know, the, the quickness he has to work with at this point to stay with, you know, the guys that he's facing, you know, to stay with, uh, you know, Leonard you know, Williams and, and uh, uh, Claude Pilon and, and Delvon Simmons. I mean, you know, they can embarrass you if you're not, you know, really there full speed every single play so just that kind of you know play after play after play you're going against if you're an offensive lineman at usc play after play after play you're going against a really good quick athlete and those guys will embarrass you if you aren't going as you know quick and as hard as they are if you aren't doing the right thing so uh from that standpoint it's a gigantic improvement over any year that, that i've ever seen it was Essentially, summer workouts were seven-on-seven workouts, and that is no longer the case. Yeah, it's much more uh, – it's just well-organized. And so props to Cody Kessler and Hayes Pillard and the crew for uh, doing that because they're, you know, they're the ones that have to run it, um, and they have to keep it – You know, so a guy like Josh Shaw. We actually saw Josh Shaw yesterday. I talked to him for a while, Dan. I was at the uh, B2G Elite Camp up in Thousand Oaks, and he was one of the uh, counselors along with – uh, Tahan Goodman, who plays for UCLA safety, and then uh, Eldridge Massington, who was a former USC commit for a long time and then is now at, at UCLA, um, okay. kid out of Texas. So those guys were like working as student uh, uh, you know, coaches out there. And I got to talk to Josh for a while, though. But yeah, guys like him and, and the rest of the crew, you know, leading the way this summer. No, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a different look. And, uh, uh, I'm I'm really impressed with uh, with what we're seeing. So uh, uh, watch those videos if you guys get a chance. Watch those videos and see what you see. I mean, one of the things I used to tell people is that what was such a pleasure to go to a USC practice, say in the heyday, was that Matt Leinart would have days in practice where the ball didn't hit the ground, 
They caught every pass. Every pass was on time, on target, and caught. And they're approaching that. I mean, Cody Kessler is kind of approaching that uh, to some extent in terms of every ball is on time and on target. And uh, that's what you need it to be in the summer. You know, you absolutely need that. But we hadn't seen that for a few years, and now we're seeing it again. I mean, it obviously picked up with Cody, you know, completing over 70% of his passes, 11 TDs to two interceptions or whatever it was, the second or the last six games. But that's what, you know, you, you need to expect. Now, obviously, if you go out and buy a football magazine, I just saw I got my first one yesterday, the USA Today's uh, magazine, you're not going to read about much of that. Cody Kessler, they're not even sure if he should be the starter. And, gosh, they have such early deadlines like that. I don't know. But uh, but uh, Cody doesn't even get mentioned when they talk about Pac-12 quarterbacks. But I think he's got, you know, he's going to be in position to uh, open some eyes as this season goes along because he should be he should be in that elite group, uh, you know, in the Pac-12. You know, everybody's going to Marietta and Hundley with his Heisman candidates. But if you go, you know, the, who are the top? you know, five or six quarterbacks, and you don't have uh, Cody Kessler in there, you're making a mistake. Uh, one last one for you, Dan. Uh, speaking of Cody Kessler, the guy snapped it to him. Uh, we had a question, uh, one last question for you. Uh, he's not clear about who's going to be the center this year for the offensive line. It's going to be Max Turek. Who do you think is going to end up being the center? You know, I I really, really absolutely don't have any idea. I, I mean, I don't know. Uh uh, I think, I mean, I'm probably as a, uh, as a group that, you know, Max has got the experience and Max is a leader, but my, I'm also somebody that thinks maybe Max would rather play somewhere else too. Uh, and he's, you know, a good team guy and he'll do whatever, whatever, uh, you know, it takes, but, uh, you know, your two options there right now are, you know, the two freshmen, Toa Lebanon and Vianney. And, uh, uh, certainly the snapping is improving and they're working more on it. Uh, you know, the center has some you know, extra responsibilities in terms of, of making calls and, and what have you. So uh, we've seen uh, one freshman center start in Chris Dowd, two freshmen. Uh, could that happen again? You know, with the shotgun snapping and the wider, you know, uh, you know, wider splits and veterans on both sides, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you can make the case either way that, with four veterans, if you did it that way, you'd have veterans on, on you know, both the right guard and right tackle, right, you know, left guard and left tackle. Um, do you have, a you know, a better shot having a brand-new guy at center that way, or do you really need a veteran there with other veterans, uh, you know? And, and I guess we really don't want to look overlook, you know, Khalil Rogers, who has looked very good um, at that right guard spot. So, uh so I, I I really don't know. I, I and I'm gonna. That's, you know, there are times you just say, let's just let this thing play out and see what happens, and uh, see which you know what's the best uh, best way to go here. But uh, uh, I don't even have a clue at this point. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, there's, it'll be interesting. A lot of good stories coming out of fall camp. So stay tuned for that. We'll certainly be covered and we'll let you know what's going on in all these summer workouts but uh thanks again dan everyone check out that piece on uscfootball.com and we'll uh, talk to you again soon you 
You've been listening to the Pear Style Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on parastylepodcast.com or search for Parastyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.